Everyman Podcast. Sauce Patrol. Sauce Patrol intro is awesome. Let me tell you something. Brother Jay, that is me. The big dog, Daryl Campbell Jr., DC. My brother. Yeah. My brother. Let's go. <laughs> Take it to the bridge. I mean, tell you, I'm telling you, man, another week, another pod. So, like, do you think when you think about it, like, from artists to uh, aspiring astronauts and then, you know, now voice actors? Oh, yeah. Listen, the summer of the everyman continues uh, as we as we approach the fall of the everyman. Actually, I don't want a word like that. The autumn of the everyman. Um, yes. We've been having a blast. I mean, you know, take it all the way back to, I think our first like COVID talk was with Mike Mangini, which begat us Kenny Arnoff, you know, and then introduced <laughs> us to the world of booty wipes with Dude. Josh for the first time all the booty way up till now. We just had another great podcast with Josh Ferris, Mr. Booty wipe himself, the, the, the king of booty brands. Booty uh, brand. We just had John Petrucci on. Uh, we just had Derek Sherinian on keyboardist, pianist extraordinaire uh, to the stars and beyond uh, Blake Richardson of Twitch fame and between the buried to me, dusty Waring from between the buried to me. I mean, Andy McKee, Dust. Tommy Rogers. I mean, and, and it's just been unbelievable. And just when you think, uh, you've figured out the game. We changed the game. I think that's like a, there was like we, a, we, a pro wrestling, mem- uh, uh, <laughs> promo at one point. I think it was like Jake, the snake was like, just when you think you've changed the game, we changed the rules or something like that. That's what I was going for there, but it didn't quite, I got half of it. We, we began to pivot or Pivot. We pivoted. pivoted on you. I, I pivoted Pivot. away. Um, so this week, uh, the voice of the everyman, you know, is just one of his many credentials. Uh, but y- you may have heard him on a free form network, you know, NFL presents NFL top 100 Super Bowl 50. He's been the voice of uh, a lot of amazing projects. He's a voice actor, Enrique Josephs and it's a doozy. He's like awesome. First of all, awesome guy. He helped us out. Oh, yeah. He came in, did the did the stuff for the trailer, and uh, we get to kind of all that, and we we talk about you know how Daryl and, and EJ met, and um, you know and now we're all in the cosmic canoe together, having a great time, great oh, conversation, yeah. really inspiring guy. Uh, you know, if there's one thing you could take away from this podcast that you're about to hear, it's well, you're already hearing the podcast, but this interview you're about to hear is mm-hmm. that uh, you know bet on yourself, and and if you believe in yourself, that's all it takes. And uh, a little, little bit of hard work and hard work. Uh, a little bit of mustard, and you're, and you're on your way. Hard work and mustard. I yeah, like that you know, sandwich. It's the greatest sandwich ever. You know, put it on a ciabatta. I'll, t- I'll take that three days a week. Let's eat it. Let's do it. And you know what? With that being said, brother, let's kick it to our man EJ. Let's get it. Joining us today on the Everyman Podcast is an extremely talented gentleman. He is a voiceover artist. He is in the Cosmic Canoe. You might recognize these lavish tones that are <laughs> coming through, coming through your speakers, uh, whether it's on YouTube or on the uh, you know the old app there. Um, as the gentleman. The powerful voice in our Everyman uh, Podcast.tv trailer. Ladies and gentlemen, Enrique Josephs. EJ, what's up, my brother? 
What's going on, gentlemen? Hey. How are you guys? Yeah. Woo! Get him. Get him. I feel it. I feel it. So, EJ, like I said, man, you are a, you're an artist. You're a talented artist. What do you think, like, how do you describe yourself? Like, if somebody says, yo, hey, you meet him in a bar, you know, back in the pre-uncertain circumstances era when you were in a bar, um, how do you describe what you do? I think it's interesting that you introduced me as a voiceover artist. Um, I think when I started my voice my voiceover career i would probably say that um but now i feel like i have kind of transformed more into a voice actor a lot of the work that i do does require you to have to act uh quite a bit and i think i kind of was like ah, i'm not an actor you know i'm not a i'm not really an actor i'm i'm a i'm an audio guy you know that just talks but i've come to realize that you know it really is a an art of acting, um, a form of acting. So I would say I'm a voice actor in, in, in plain, in plain terms. Well, that, you know, that makes sense. And the way I kind of, uh, to, to explain my thinking there, when I say artist, the reason I say that is because when, when, when we first connected, you know, basically to, to, to catch everyone up, Daryl and I were like, Hey, let's do, let's get into video. Let's, let's expand. And then it was like, Hey, uh, you know, what would be fun and cool is if we did a, like a little trailer and then we're like, Oh yeah. And then like, I did like a, like a mock, not even a mock, just like a demo, uh, you know, in my, in my studio here. And I was like, yeah, like something like this. And then, and then Daryl's like, you know, I know a guy used to be here at NFL films. He's a professional. Let me reach out to him and see. And then, you know, you're like, hell yeah, let's do it. And then to get to the artist point, I was like, okay, my creative, I'm a weird you know, I kind of quirky humor kind of person. There's a lot of things that I think are funny that just, they they have no humor. And then to me, that's why they're funny. And <laughs> <laughs> as Daryl knows. And, you know, so I heard your voice and I was like, oh man, I got all these ideas, literally bursting with ideas. Let me just come up with as much stuff as possible and see how you interpret it. And you came back with something that was creative in that you took it and interpreted it and i guess that is kind of what acting is is you're 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 in, you're you know capturing in, uh, words on a page and bringing it into you know our reality um and so there, there's that creativity aspect that makes me think well it's an artist you're not just a voiceover uh you don't just stand there and read stuff like they, the the inflection and the emotion and all those things um so when we're asking you to say silly things uh you know you kind of interpreted it in your own way and i think that's that's where i came to the the artiste if you will no indeed it's i think you're 100% correct uh it is my job to try to bring the words on the copy to life. You know, they say that the VO guy is the voice in your head when you're thinking of whatever it is that you're thinking about creatively. Um, and we strive to try to, you know, please producers and um, creative directors. Um, but we all try to leave our little footprint on whatever it is that we're uh, voicing and stuff. But I, I think what you were saying is really spot on. Um, it, it, we are artists um, and everyone has their own methodology of how they perform um, their job as a voice actor too. Yeah. Everybody's got their own, 
kind of take. And obviously there's like the gold standard, you know, like the, the voice everybody imagines, like the, the inner world gentleman who passed away. Yeah. Um, Don LaFontaine. Correct. So, correct. so like yeah. he's, he's like the guy everybody imagines, but now there's all these kind of, uh, you know, people that have come in that, in that wake. And uh, you could say mm. that about somebody like Bruce Buffer, you know, famous boxing announcer. And then his, Indeed. his brother has half brothers, yeah. the guy for the UFC now, um, or just, you know, announcing, you know, in pro wrestling or whatever, obviously, you know, I'm a big pro wrestling fan. So, yep. Yep. um, before we get into all that, man, one of the cool things about me and Daryl, uh, that I particularly enjoy is we're both like hyper social people. And we all, we both have like this vast, network of people to call the vast network of associates associates. yes the the vigil network of associates the campbell associate the campbell network of associates i like that i like that network of associates yeah Yeah. it's it's the it's the vnoa it's it's all these people that i've come across and and daryl and so what really the everyman podcast is just a a combination of these these two vast networks of associates and it's like anytime we were thinking about something we we know some wonderful world-class talent. So Daryl, tell, tell our audience here in the cosmic canoe, how did you guys connect? Well, I, you know what I, I want, I want EJ to tell it because <laughs> here's the thing. People really like people have this. Okay. You hear his voice and you say, Oh, definitely a voiceover artist, definitely a voiceover, you know, specialist, but EJ's got chops on a producer realm and that's where he started. You go into it, EJ. <laughs> you go and tell us tell us all about it, man. Uh, I, I appreciate that lead-in. Uh, there was a time when I was actually working as a teacher, and I was a video production instructor at a high school for juvenile delinquents. And, um, you know, I, I was like, this this can't be where I spend the rest of my career, right? I was like, there's just, there's no way. I knew I wanted to do voiceover stuff, but I went to school for mass communications. So, you know, I was uh, trained in Final Cut 7. I was directing shows. I was editing, I was producing, I was writing in college. I had done a lot of shorts. Um, and I really liked being behind the scenes. I never really liked being in front of the camera. I liked I liked getting my hands on, you know, behind the scenes. I liked the directing and because I felt like that's where the action was, you know. Um, so I come out of school, I start teaching. Um, we host a career day event and NFL Films would come to our career day event. I think it was like the 26th year that they had been coming out to our school for career day. Our athletic director was cousins with NFL Films' uh, top audio engineer. And so he would come as a favor for his cousin. And uh, while at the career day event, I met him and, you know, my, my coworker, Rob was saying, Hey, this is EJ. He really wants to do voiceover work. Like, you know, can you, can you do something? And he was like, well, send me your demo. And I was like, oh, all right, great. He's like, yeah, send it to me tonight. I had no demo. So I had to run home. I'm like, you know, putting God knows what is terrible when I look back at it, but I put something together, send it to him. And he's like, oh, this is great. Why don't you come in to record a demo? And I was completely shocked. So I got to go up to NFL Films. My mom and I went. She dropped me off. I locked my keys in the car. That happened. <laughs> um, so I do the demo, and I was in there with a the producer, him, and another engineer. A few months go by. don't hear nothing. And I kept hitting them up. I'm like, yeah, like, is there, like, what's, is anything new? Is there anything going on? Like, I, I, I want to get over there. And 
I think maybe five months had passed and I was just like at my wits end teaching. Um, I really just was bummed out. I wasn't happy. I wanted to just get out. So I was like, Hey, is there an internship opportunity or anything like that at NFL films? And he's like, well, we do have an internship uh, coming up for the spring. Um, why don't you apply? And I did. Um, I got called in for my, for the interview and I remember walk before I walked into the interview, I remember thinking to myself, I don't want to go through this ever again. I don't want to interview anymore. I'm tired. I think I had submitted like 40 job applications and I only heard back from one company and they said no. So I was like exhausted and I went in my interview and when I walked out, I knew I killed it. I knew I killed it. I felt really good. Right. And I wasn't even trying to be like overly confident, but I did feel pretty good. Um, so a couple weeks goes by. And I get a phone call and Kara called me. Uh, DC knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. And she's like, Hey, just want to let you know, we aren't going to offer you the internship. And immediately dreams crushed crying the whole night. And like, I'm on the phone, I'm freaking out. I'm on the job. Like, but before she hung up, she was like, well, we're not going to offer you the internship, but we were looking for some internship candidates who might be qualified enough to actually get a job as a seasonal producer. And she's like, and out of the group, we thought you were the best candidate. So we actually like to offer you a seasonal producer job. And I was like, wait, what? You know, and I was like, what, what do you mean you want to? I was like, so I'm not going to be an intern. They're like, no, nah, we want you to start like right away. And I was like, oh, okay. And I had just gotten full time at my job. Um, at the time, the Friday before I found out. So on Monday, I started full time on Wednesday. I got the phone call from NFL films and on Friday I quit. So it was like a real quick bing, boom, boom. And I was gone. Damn. At least and you finished the week. Uh, no, nah, I just took my time. I was like, I'm out. <laughs> I was like, you guys should have hired me sooner. So, um, and I appreciate my time there. It was very important, but, um, I was so happy to be getting out of there. Um, and then I got to NFL Films, and I knew a colleague of ours, Cortland, before heading into uh, starting my first day. And when I met him, he was like, oh, you got to meet got meet this guy, DC. He's a former player. And Kara was telling me about him. And she was like, yeah, he's a, he's a great guy. He's, he's really big. And, you know, he hugs <laughs> people in the hallways. And I'm like, okay. Like, so I meet him, and, and DC's like, oh, man, you – you got that voice. It's like, he, what do you say? He's like, it's like your nuts dropped twice. You know? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, 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 I was like, like uh, I've Yo, never heard that before, but all right. I like that. Jay, I'm telling you the first time I met him, it's like, Hey, I'm like, I'm, as, soon as, as, soon as, he, as soon as he opened his mouth, I was like, boy, your voice sound like it, your nuts dropped twice. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 I mean, you've, you've clearly, you've clearly been blessed. My friend. I, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, but I tell you one one thing, and I and, I, and we can move on. I, I want people to understand. I want our listeners listeners to know, like this man isn't just accomplished for his voice. That's that's the gift that God has given him, and he's taken that to new heights. But he is a producer, he is a voice specialist, and he is just an unbelievable human being. And that is why he is the voice of the everyman, and he is also. <laughs> Our friend and patriot in the cosmic canoe. That's right. I can dig it. I can dig it. That's right, man. We're all we're all in this, you know, that, that shared journey we talk about all the time. And um, you know, one of the things I'm interested in too is so how did you jump from like you work your friend NFL films and then now you're you're kind of working 
like you're like a like a freelance guy, right? Yeah, so I was at NFL Films as a producer, and then um, I had an opportunity to start voicing at NFL Films while I was producing. Um, the fir- very first voiceover opportunity that I got at NFL Films was to narrate Super Bowl 50. And I feel like that's not the first job you give somebody that's never done a massive voiceover project before. It was the 50th season. It was Peyton Manning's last ride. Cam Newton was the MVP. You know, they're giving out golden footballs to every high school in America that had somebody playing the big game. And, and I'm like, you guys want me to narrate Super Bowl 50. I was like, this, this, this must be a joke. You know, I thought they were absolutely joking. And they were dead serious. Um, I had a meeting with uh, the head of the show, my supervisor, the EP, the president of the company. And, you know, they were like, listen, like, we're going to give you this shot. I have no idea what what propelled them to do this, but I am forever grateful. Um, because doing that project opened the door within NFL Films for me to start to get more work. But in my opinion, the the real big job at NFL Films, at least, was when I took over as the voice of the Top 100 Players show. Um, and that is its own crazy story. Um, and once that happened, um, I was working on a massive highlight project and I was narrating the Top 100 at the same time. And I thought that I was actually going to get the chance to write, edit, direct and narrate my own piece it didn't happen but i was able to produce and to do vo at the same time but that fall um i was given a choice to either come back and work as a producer or not come back and work as a producer and be able to do voiceover all year round if I were to come back as a producer, I would not be able to do voiceover in the off season because NFL films wanted me to start narrating showtimes inside the NFL. And obviously that starts after the first week of the season and then goes all the way up until the Super Bowl. Um, but that means I'd miss out on highlights, the top 100 and any other project like, Hey rookie. Um, so I would kind of pigeonhole myself had I not um, decided to not come back. Um, so I had to, I called DC, I called three other producers cause I was really unsure about what I wanted to do because I really knew that voiceovers was like my passion and my dream, but I really started to enjoy my time as a producer. Um, but the general feedback from everyone I called was like, why would you stay here? You better go leave and do your own thing. And, and that's, uh, evidently what I decided to do. And that's when I started to do freelancing. And then back in 2018, I officially formed my LLC and turned it into an official business. That's so cool, man. It's inspiring yeah. because, you know, like th- this is something that, that so many of our listeners can relate to. And I know I can relate to it with that sense of, you know, art- artistic desire and creative, uh, you know, dreams that you feel might be stifled by just your commitment to what you've been doing. And it's easier to, to kind of hold tight and then half-ass one thing. Um, but it's, it's a true gift when you can whole-ass the thing that you love. And, you know, Daryl and I have been working towards that whole-ass dream, you know. And, yeah. uh, and, and this podcast started as something where it was like something I'd always wanted to do. And then I just, I was waiting for the right 
circumstances. And then Daryl came into my life through NFL films opportunities and getting to know him. And then we were just having these conversations. It just was like, you know what, let's do it and let's not look back. And then we we're continuing that. And now we're, we're able to connect to so many people all over the world. And it's only, it's, it's like connects us to people like yourself and, you know, uh, it's people, some of the people we've been getting messages from on YouTube has been awesome. But, um, just that, that idea of like, you know what, I've got something, I believe in myself. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Um, that's really inspiring, man. Sure. And I be, uh, and I'll be a hundred percent honest with you guys. I mean, a part of me was really scared to step out on my own. Um, it's like that idea of like going through school and going to college. And then once college is over, it's like, wow, there's no school anymore, you know? And I kind of had this feeling that once I left NFL films to do my own thing, I was like, I have a feeling I'm not going to be working for anybody else, you know? And I feel like this is probably all going to be on me for the rest of my life. Um, and I had to come to terms with that, that there would be no, um, you know, boss to report to or no deadline, I guess, which in return actually doesn't sound that bad, but, you know, <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I realized that it was all going to have to fall on me. Um, and it took, it took a little bit for me to kind of get comfortable. And fortunately I was living at home. So my parents were gracious enough for me to, uh, stay at home rent free. So I was able to just focus on me. Um, and I was able to just start building the foundation of my business. But the one thing that's also important that I try to tell people, no matter where you're trying to go or what you're trying to do, if you want to do things on your own is to invest in yourself all the money that I was making from the voiceover work at NFL films, I was using that to take classes, purchase better equipment, um, go to conferences. Like I really put the money back into me. I didn't just like take it and spend it on whatever, you know, I try to tell people if you're going to start a business, you know, those first couple of years, you got to spend on you and learn, you know, education, equipment and all that type of stuff. If you want to continue to grow, you know, so I think a lot of people are trying to figure out why they're stuck, you know, where they are, but some people aren't willing to just go that little extra mile to put a little bit of extra money into themselves. I think that that is a crucial point for anybody that's trying to start a business or, or chase after their passion. That's great advice. And, uh, you know, I'm a, I am a, a musician, you know, at, at my core. And then I've, I've kind of always been like uh, interested in broadcasting from the time I was a little kid. I, I loved listening to talk radio. Um, I love yapping to people, you know, I, I'll call Daryl, Daryl and I'll get in these long ass conversations on the phone about everything. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I was always drawn to that idea mm -hmm. and, um, you know, started out and I had a lot of the gear because, you know, as a musician and you have bands over the years, you just start, I have so much shit. I can't even, I don't even know. I've got stuff at my house here. My, my parents' house is still a whole room full of mostly my equipment and the, you know, my dad's stuff too, but like I have stuff everywhere. My parents are right, watching this right. right now and they're like, yeah, come get your shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, and I'm like, Oh, I don't have any room for it. But, um, anyway, my, my point is like, you know, I started getting into the, the, the higher end audio equipment. Once our podcast started, we're like, okay, we're really going to do this thing. We're really serious about it. You know, invest in the new microphones and stuff. And, and, you know, I bring this up because, um, as a gear addict, um, I'm curious what what is your setup like uh, to to do this? You know, like where are you now, um, and and kind of what did you start with? Um, so I started with 
a blue snowball oh. uh usb microphone like i think i made my first like 1500 dollars on that thing like i used that thing as much as i could like i, I it got its use out of it that's and, the first mic i got for this podcast too hey it's a great starting microphone i mean for a usb mic it gets the job done it's clear enough and um i realized i was like okay i gotta i gotta probably invest in a little bit of a better microphone here um and then i moved on to the blue spark which was my first XLR microphone. Um, and it was, it was great. I mean, just when you're going from the snowball to that, I was like, this is amazing. And, you know, I made, I don't know, $3,000 off of that in like a year and a half or something. Cause when I first started doing voiceover work, I wasn't making anything like nothing, $5 a job. It was, it was, it was, I was like, all right, I'm not doing it for the money. I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it for the experience. I had to keep telling go. myself that at night, you know, for the experience. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then I upgraded, I kind of stayed within that, like blue, I really like blue products. So I went from the blue snowball to the blue spark to the blue baby bottle, which was like the most expensive microphone I had purchased at the time. And um <laughs> like how you say at the time. <laughs> yeah, at the time. <laughs> oh, it gets worse. Oh, uh, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh when I was at films, um I was fortunate enough to do a microphone shootout and they set up like eight microphones for me to test out. And they they landed on one, uh a manly, which is a tube mic, which uh, is just way too expensive. I still refuse to buy one. They're like thirty five hundred dollars. And great microphone, great sound. But the runner up was the Neumann TLM 103. And I was like, man, that's, that is nice. So that was like the first high end mic that I bought was the TLM 103. And that thing, I mean, I was doing commercial work, narration work, television promo work. Um, I recorded my trailer demo on that thing. I mean, I put that thing to, to use. But as I started doing bigger jobs and doing more television promos, my colleagues in the voiceover game who were also doing promos and trailers and stuff, they were like, man, you, you got to get that Sennheiser 416, man. Like that, that's the mic. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? Like, I was like, I'm a video guy. That's a shotgun microphone. They're like, yeah, bro. That's why you got to get one. They're like, cause, and they were like, yeah, they use it in, on the sets in Hollywood and they want you to use it in voiceover. And I'm like, so you're telling me I'm going to use a shotgun mic to do voiceover work. Yeah, man. I was like, all right, whatever. So, when I went to LA one time, I was at a studio trying to do some stuff for NFL films. What did the studio have? The Sennheiser 416. So I'm asking them about it. And they were like, oh yeah, this is, this is the greatest mic in the world. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and as you can see, this is it right here. Yep. And um, <laughs> I've got two. So I've got two of these bad boys. Um, and I keep one in my to-go bag and I keep one in my studio um, because as a voice actor uh, that does promos and trailers, I have to be on the move. Um, well, I don't have to be on the move, but when I'm on the move, I have to have my stuff with me. Um, and DC has seen me in inside NFL films with my, with my gear. I've had to pull over on the side of the road. And when I'm in the car, I got to make sure that my quality is just as good. So I use a universal audio preamp at home, but I also use their smaller version to work on the road. It's USB-C powered. Um, so I'm getting the same plugins, the same quality, the same type of preamp, because I don't want any of my clients to have any idea of whether I'm in my studio or in my car or wherever. So until they see this podcast, 
They still won't know unless I tell them now because it's not like they see me. Um, But the one time, you know, I was in I was in Los Angeles. I was on my way home and I was flying back. I was I switched my flight because the wildfires were getting really bad. And as a matter of fact, a couple hours after I took off, LAX was shut down. So I was trying to get back home and. I, as a promo and trailer voice actor, am not allowed to fly during the day. I cannot fly during business hours during the day because if I'm needed, I can lose a job just because I'm unavailable. So I usually fly red eye or on weekends. But um, my producer was like, hey, we got nominated for some Emmys. We need you to turn some stuff around like right now. I was like, well, um, I'm at LAX. They're like, well, you need to make it work. I was like, okay. So I went and found a baby changing station and I pulled out that baby changing table. I set up all my stuff and I did those deliverables. They were like, this sounds great. You know, and I'm just like, all right. And I got on the plane and then when I landed, there was more spots for me. So everything I did at LAX was for not anyways, but, um, but yeah, I think it's really important to have something like this for traveling because when you have a Sennheiser, that's a shotgun mic, it doesn't pick up all of the room tone. You know, it's, it's, um, it's a directional mic. So it's only picking up really what's what it's aiming at. Um, so it's perfect for being in hotels or louder environments. Um, whereas a condenser mic, which kind of picks up all of its surroundings. Um, but they have their, they each have their, their unique purposes. Yeah. I, I can only use the condenser. I, I prefer to use this, but I can only use it when it's, when Daryl and I are remote because if Daryl's in the room, it yeah. bleeds yeah. and it gets all funky. <laughs> yeah. And so I have like, you know, I, usually we use beta 58s when we're in the room together. Um, cause that's, that's a classic, but you know, you talk about portability and, uh, I've been, a, I'm a fan of the zoom products for years. You know, my parents got me this little zoom H2 for Christmas in like 2004 that has the stereo condensers on it and you can plug two mics in. And like years later, you know, my band, uh, extractus at the time we recorded like all our practice demos with this thing. And like, it helped us write our album. And, um, nowadays you can just, there's stuff that just plugs into an iPad or an iPhone and and you can plug Mm -hmm. a microphone straight in and you're, you're recording like that. It's really incredible. Like, you know, I thought I was in like the, the, the prime of, you know, being in high school with GarageBand and Logic and all this stuff and, and Pro Tools like, you know, six or whatever at the time. Now it's like the, the access that you have at an early age, especially because everything runs on an iPad and you can get an iPad for like 200 bucks to start now. Uh, it's really, it's incredible. Yeah. And it's only going to get even better. You know, we're, we're going to see, we're going to see some incredible technological advances for working remotely. I mean, we're already starting to see it because of the pandemic. I mean, everybody is experiencing some type of remote work, uh, for their job or for their business. Um, and you know, for somebody like me who has done remote work before, the best thing for me is knowing that, you know, if I'm out and about, um, or if I'm traveling, um, I can feel a lot more comfortable knowing that internet accessibility and um, internet durability um, it will is only going to get better with time as 5G is making its way out because I'm already doing um, live sessions over Wi-Fi that sound fantastic. And if the connection is getting stronger and more accessible, it's only going to allow us to be able to do more 
um, and travel. Cause a lot of voiceover talent feel like they have to be at home all yeah. the time to get the, the quality. I took a huge leap of faith. I was like, listen, I'm 25 years old. I was like, I'm not going to be at home all day. Like an old man, mm-hmm. even though that's what I'm doing now anyways. But you know, but when I started, I was like, I, I gotta be able to go out. Um, you know, one of the first jobs that I had required me to, um, record every single day. I had to record every day for the show because I was doing topicals for a talk show. And the way that it worked is that my producer would just text me at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. And all he would say is before eight or after eight. I'm like, okay. So either we were going to read before eight or read after eight. No idea what time it was going to be at. I just had 10 minutes to be ready whenever he would text me. So I would have my mobile get, you know, my wife and I would go out to eat and I would sit down at the restaurant and I'd get the phone call. And I'm like, ah, here we go. I got to go to the car. And I would deliver the reads in the car and then come back. But it allowed me to be more flexible. And it allowed me to still be able to go out and live and not feel like I have to be at home all day. Because I feel like that's like, it's like, um, they call it the golden handcuffs. My agent first told me that. And he's like, oh, yeah, you got the golden handcuffs. And I'm like, what, what the heck does that mean? And he's like, well... Yeah, the, the handcuffs are golden, but they're still handcuffs. You know, you, you're strapped to to your to your home studio. Um, and I was like, there's got to be a way that I can switch things up. And and uh, I just started testing my own road kit. And DC used to see me carrying this huge suitcase around. It was padded. I had all. It looked like I, I felt like a super uh, secret it, agent, like you know, a hitman or something. Yeah, I looked like a hitman. Like everything <laughs> padded in place. You know, I had the foam and everything had its right place. And you know, they probably looked at me walking in like this dude is gonna, you know, act, act a terrorism. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> but um, nah, it was it was it was a real learning process. But I have streamlined the the to go kit and it's right where um, where I need it to be now. He's just like a superhero, dude. Like, <laughs> like the, the crazy, the, the the joy for me is like, he shows up in NFL films, you know, I see my boy, we hug up, we dap up, we're talking for like five, 10 minutes, getting great conversation. And next thing you know, he's like, big bro, man, uh, this thing just came through. Can, can, can I use your office for like, I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> bounce out of there and he whips out the, the the portable kit and just like gets busy man that's freaking superhero style man and that happened quite a bit <laughs> happened quite a bit yes so yeah. you know we talked about obviously super bowl 50 and your involvement there it was it was like a, a real a highlight for you um not trying to make you brag here but what are some of the projects that that you've been involved with um that maybe you're you know really like particularly proud of um that our listeners might be interested to know that you're the man behind that. Sure. Um, I'm really proud of um, Freeform. I'm one of the voices of Freeform, which is also formerly known as ABC Family. And um, I'm the voice of Halloween. I do all the 31 nights of Halloween promos. So um, you may or may not have heard me do that. I didn't realize how big 31 nights of Halloween was before, before free. Not that I didn't, but I was always a 25 days of Christmas kind of guy. So of course I wouldn't know that. You know, people would be surprised at how many, like I bet ABC family is like one of the few channels that still has people watching it. Oh, I mean, it is, it's, it's huge. I mean, because last year they ran, in September, they did 30 days of Disney. In October, they did 31 nights of Halloween. In November, they did kick off to Christmas. And then in December, they did 25 days of Christmas. And I'm like, so you're telling me all these people watch all this stuff and they're like, yeah, they love it. 
you know, and they're like telling me they're like they they eat this stuff up, and I'm like, this is crazy. So all those um, movies I'm, with Dean Cain, like the, the, oh the Christmas Dean, he's like in, he's like yeah. in every friggin' Christmas movie. That guy. It's amazing though. Like I, you know, I love I love Christmas. So for me, when yeah. I, when I got to do a 25 days of Christmas by, I, I cried a little on the inside. No, my my fiance yeah. and I were big. We we've got all our Christmas movies. They start the weekend of Thanksgiving with with Christmas vacation and. You know, we we've got our Christmas movies for sure. Yeah, it's oh, uh, oh man, you know, it's it's just it's something about that time of the year. But yeah, favorite um, time of the year. But Freeform is um I'm really proud of that. Um I'm really proud of what happened at NFL Films, and I think it's not necessarily a project. I think it was more like the situation because NFL Films went from being my employer to being my client, and mm-hmm. to me that was like that's, that's pretty like, cool. Yeah, it's almost like an indescribable feeling to be because of what the tables have turned is. yeah how how the tables <laughs> have turned you know i am so much more in control of my own destiny so to speak um and the conversations that i'm able to have with them and the relationship that i have with nfl films it's like going to my second home you know when i feel at home when i go to nfl films um you know and 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 i'm very appreciative uh, of everybody at nfl films um, but another project that I'm really proud of was after, um, you know, the killing of George Floyd, uh, over Memorial day, I was voicing all of the CBS news spots, um, kind of rallying the country to kind of come together to, um, sit down and try to have a, um, an understanding about what's taking place. And CBS news kind of leaned on me to kind of help bring people together. And I was honored, um, to do that and they they felt like this is a time where we need to be progressive and we need to be inclusive and we need to um make sure that people understand that we want to be on the right side of history and and having the conversations with the producers during that time was really eye-opening not just for them but for me as well um because i think that's how we kind of do get through these adverse times. We have to have these really uncomfortable conversations. So it warmed my heart to see them kind of open up in that way and lean on me to kind of um, relay that message to um, to the American people, which was awesome. That's cool, man. That is pretty really cool. Um, is there anything that you're working on now, or that's that that you're you kind of got your eyes set on in the future <laughs> that you're that you're excited about? Anything going on? Well, at the moment, um, I can't say about a couple of things. Um, I had told DC prior to the taping of this that there was a project that I was going to be able to let you guys know about because I had actually completed the project. But it ended up being a crazy change of plans. So I feel like now it's an interesting time to talk about it. Okay, so um, I was booked to become the voice of the MTV video music awards that just happened on Sunday. So I was, you know, live announcing the show, all of the performances, all of the nominees, the categories, all of the sponsors. Like I was the voice of the show. So my parents came over and my family was excited. And, you know, we start watching the MTV video uh, VMAs and they completely took me out of the show and didn't tell me. And I was like, what, oh my God. I was like, what is, what is going on? This is the first time this has ever happened. So I'm calling my agent and she didn't know what was going on. They never told her. And it was a really strange move for MTV. Like, you know, when my, when my agents talked amongst themselves about it, they were like, you know, that's, 
that's highly unusual for them to have made the change without saying anything. Now, I understand why they did it. They just wanted to go in a different creative direction. They switched me out with a girl and they wanted a girl originally. And then they're like, well, let's, let's do it. Let's do a guy. So they chose me. And then I guess after I sent in my recording, they wanted to go back to a woman. I wasn't even mad at the change because she sounded great. Like it wasn't, I mean, I wasn't even Aiden. She sounded really good. Um, it just would have been nice if they gave us a heads up. I mean, fortunately for me, good thing I didn't share it with anybody because I would have looked like a fool, you know, but um, it, it was just the weirdest situation. And my agents were apologizing to me. And I'm like, look, guys, like this, this is not on you guys. I mean, they just, they didn't share it. And um, it was just, I was just kind of shocked, but that's the first time that's happened in my career, I guess. It's got to happen at some point. You know what I mean? But, um, but yeah, that was the project I was going to share with you guys. <laughs> I was like, well, man, I don't, I don't know what to tell DC now. You know? I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, man. I, I don't know if you can tell that the guy in the Dragon T-shirt with all the wrestling shit on the wall doesn't watch a whole lot of MTV. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'd, I, I'd seen the ads on Twitch, you know, because I was watching some stuff on Twitch, as I am often doing. Shout out to the goat girl. Mary is uh, milk monster. I watch this girl. She fucking, she milks goats and makes goat soap and oh. does construction work. It's, she's just like a farmer. It's sick. Oh, I don't know. Okay. Man. You should check it out. All right. Um, but I had seen a commercial for that and I was wondering, I was like, ah, oh. it's back. It's this time of year again, I guess. And I didn't even know it was still going on. And uh, so, you know what? MTV, your loss. Yeah. My words, my words, not EJ. Yeah. And you know what? I, I look at it as, um, at the end of the day, one, I still got paid. So I'm not, I was really going to say, I hope you still got paid. Yeah. I still got paid, but, um, I just was like, Hey, at the end of the day, I did still technically book the job. I mean, to book a job, um, when you kind of get to this level, you realize you're going up against a lot of people and a lot of people who are extremely talented. So that's why, you know, a lot of the times I, I, I really celebrate what I work on because it, it really was like one out of, you know, a couple thousand sometimes or a few or a few hundred. I mean, it's, it's a large pool of people that I compete against on a daily basis. Um, I guess another project I can kind of speak about is that I'm working on some Ben 10 promos for their upcoming movie trailer for Ben 10 versus the universe, the movie nice. on Cartoon Network. Yeah, so I was really ben proud 10. to get on Cartoon Network this year. That, that's been a goal of mine since I set out on this VO journey. Um, so that's something that I've been working on and they're awesome to work with. Um, but, um, yeah, looking back at that MTV thing, it's just, it's just more like more reason for me to just even push even harder. Oh, honestly. Yeah. yeah make them, um, uh, make them wish they could have had yeah. you win next yeah. time. And, and, Not and so hey, much. If they want, if they want to call me back. Call me back. I, I'll, I'll still work. I'm That's not, right. I, no hard feelings. You know, it's, it's a business. So, yeah. you know, if you guys want to come back and pay me, that is totally fine with me. Yeah. Just send an email next time. <laughs> yeah, a little heads up would have been nice. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, man, that's really that's really cool. Um, I keep saying that because it sounds like I'm an, being an idiot here, but I'm just so fascinated by that whole, like I said, it's something that's involved in everything that we do, you know, whether you're, you're on hold with customer service and so-and-so delivers excellent communication and this, and you're like, do you really, you know, and it's like just enough to keep you from going insane, um, (laughs) you know, on the person that that finally answers the call. But, um, really, it's been really cool hearing you talk about the the business side of it, um, and and kind of how it all plays out. And it's just, it's, it's, it's an extension of that entertainment world that Daryl and I relate to so much with is that it's like, 
from the outside, people think it's like this whole glitzy thing. And it's like, nope, it's a shit piled fist fight, just like every other line of work. And it just so happens that like, you know, part of it, like you said, like there's the thing going on behind the scenes and then there's what's in front of the camera and uh, you just don't see the whole, the whole beast. Indeed. I mean, voiceover work, especially once you're like a a pro voice actor, A lot of it is really an extension of Hollywood. I mean, we work with a lot of creative marketing agencies, movie theater, uh, movie trailer houses, um, a lot of boutique agencies. um, And the same rules apply as far as how to try to break in as far as networking, going to the social events, meeting the EPs, the creative directors, the producers, the writers. Um, So a lot of it is really the same. It's just instead of going to audition on camera, all of the auditioning is done off camera and wherever it is that you reside. So but the idea is, you know, I'm very much uh, like in the Hollywood scene because I have to be, you know, a lot of my clients are on the West Coast. And um, before, you know, COVID, I would fly out to Los Angeles, meet up with my buyers, have lunch and, and, and all those types of things, because I know that the important part about business is, you know, relationships yep. and, and networking and exactly and managing those relationships. Um, and I've been blessed to be able to meet some incredible people who um not only do I enjoy working with them, but they've enjoyed working with me and it's created a mutually beneficial um, relationship. And um, that's something that I'm also really proud about. I I really enjoy being around my clients and spending time with them. Um, But it very much is, I need to go out and show face and make sure that, you know, they see who I am and they know what I look like in person and not just some voice on the other side of the call. You know, I find that um, sometimes that FaceTime can make all the difference in the world, you know, and it's important to get in front of those people, especially when they're the ones making a lot of the decisions on who to hire and who not to hire. You know, so it's good for them to see me and to know me and to kind of, I guess, feel my presence. Not that, you know, I'm trying to like, you know, evoke some extraterrestrial presence on them, but just so that they, they understand who I am and that I'm not just this deep, luscious voice on mm. the other end of the phone. <laughs> no, that's right. Luscious. There's more to it. There's more to it. You, you actually are, you know, that's, I'll tell you, man, that's, you know, I'm, I learned early on. And if, if there's anything that I learned quick, it was like, well, I got to be where it is, you know, whatever it is that you're trying to do. And early on, it was going out to Nam and, and Anaheim every year and being there and meeting people and starting those relationships and, and building it over the next year and then going, you know, and um, that's everything that this podcast has become is because me and Daryl just we're like, like I said, just two tenacious little networkers a little networker and a large networker, you know, physically, um, and, uh, you know, getting after it. And that he said that FaceTime is so important that people, you know, and it's, it's, we've all adapted, I think, to this kind of zoom thing, you know, or Skype or whatever. And, you know, speaking of Skype, we've been using Skype for the longest time and I'll tell you, I'm done with it. Skype, you suck. I will say that we are now a zoom show. Okay zoom pro so if anybody's like how do i do zoom pro and like you said with remote stuff eventually they're going to make a version of zoom that's so tight that like people like us could do this latency free you know if you're, you're plugged in and it's it's perfect you know perfect audio. we're getting there we're getting there um, oh yeah but you know just that like i said <laughs> that social nature of of business and and that's so important and and i i just 
encourage our listeners, you know, to, to, if you think like, you know, if anything you take away from this podcast, other than these, these luxurious tones you're hearing, it's, <laughs> it's that, you know, take a chance on yourself, invest in yourself and, and put yourself out there just a little bit, even if it's just like a toe in the water, it's a good place to start. Yeah. And I think that what you said is really spot on. I remember there was a point in time where I used to be like afraid of, um, potentially becoming who I was meant to become. Not that I thought I was going to be some like super rock star, you know, on plastering on billboards or anything like that. But I think that I, like, I, I knew from a, a younger age that I had talent, you know, I knew I had a gift and I knew that if I applied work ethic to it, that I could make something of myself. And I think that I used to be afraid of, of that, you know, of what comes with that or, you know, what it is. And then I remember I just stopped caring, you know, I was just like, whatever, like, you know, if I'm gonna, like, I might as well just go after it anyways and yep. see what happens. And that was the greatest decision of my life to take risks, but make sure that those risks are calculated. You know, it's one thing to take a risk and, and it's important to take risks on yourself, but take calculated risks, make sure that the risk makes sense. And if you're going to take the risk, make sure you got a backup plan and make sure you have other plans, but go for it, you know, but be all, but also be strategic and be smart about it. Um, <clears throat> and honestly, a lot of the things that have happened to me, honestly, was God's intervention, right time, right place, being prepared. Um, that I, I, I want to make sure that I say that as well. Uh, a mentor of mine that I met in college who was a CBS sports director, he does AFC football games and stuff. He told me that, you know, it's going to take a lot of hard work, a lot of education. He's like, but it's also going to take some luck. You know, you're also going to need a little bit of luck on your side. And I believe that the luck is really the whole uh, preparation, meeting the opportunity. That's luck. Yeah. Right. It's just being ready to go in that moment. If I was not ready to go for when I took over for um, the top 100, I might not have gotten the job. If I wasn't ready to step in to do Super Bowl 50, I might not have gotten that job. If I wasn't ready to do showtimes inside the NFL, I might not have gotten the job. Even when I started doing 31 Nights of Halloween, I had just finished uh, working on Halloween scripts with my coach like two weeks before. So I was already ready to, to audition for something that was Halloween related. And had I not taken the steps to find a, a, a really good coach, I might not have been ready for that as well. So I always look at it as it's preparation. It's being ready. You know, it's, it's, it's getting ready to be ready and stay ready. You don't have to get ready in the moment. And, and usually things will work out. And a lot of the times it is a matter of time. Um, and it's like that matter, not of if, but of when. You know, so, and you got to put those two things together. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, it is that opportunity meeting preparation. And there's that, that chance of bumping into somebody, you know, like, like me and Daryl, the way that came together, um, or you and Daryl, you know, being there right place, right time in the universe. Um, but I think the, there's something else that's that kind of intangible thing is like, You've got to be putting positive, good energy out for there to be, you know, this wave that comes back to you to lift your tide, like to kind of rise the tides and, and lift your boat up, so to speak. Because I don't think, I mean, I don't know, but I don't think if you have a negative attitude towards what you're doing or you have a, just a negative 
view on your cynical type perspective. I don't know how well that works out for people when they're trying to achieve these kind of things, because everybody that we have on this podcast, whether it's, you know, we've got a guy next week coming on Dylan Dickstein, who he's like 25. By the time we have the podcast, I think he's going to have his PhD. He's a pilot. He's a scuba diver. He's a fucking EMT. He went, he's, he wants to be an, he wants to be the first person to go to Mars. He works for SpaceX. Like this guy, like it's, it's insane what this guy's doing. And like one, I can't believe he, you know, wants to come talk to us again. But my point is like, there's no limit. There is no limit for, for you, EJ, for Daryl, for me, for Dylan Dickstein, for, for anybody. It, the limit is what are you willing to put out? What are you willing to take on responsibility wise? And can you put it all together? And if you're, if you're, if you start with that, am I willing and you work outward, then yeah, everyone's capable because everybody wants those things. And, um, like I said, to, to hear it, you know, f- from you in this way, I mean, it just, it, it really nails home that, that whole thing that this every man podcast is about. Yeah. I mean, having the mindset of just being open, mm-hmm. you know, being willing to learn, make mistakes, look at the glass half full versus half empty as much as possible. You know, in the line of work that I do, the majority of what we do is lose. And when you have that type of perspective, right? Because I I do auditions, I audition all day. I, I mean, that's, I have to keep reading, you know? And that just because I do 10 auditions a week, you know, that doesn't mean I'm going to book all 10. It doesn't mean I'm going to book one in voiceovers. (laughs) If you can book 4% four, that is successful Four, like, think about that. Only 4% of the work that you actually book is considered successful out of all the work that we do. I mean, that's 96% of jobs that you don't get chosen on. So it's already have, it already has to be embedded in you that you're going to lose more than you're going to win. But when you win, it's that much sweeter because it means that they chose you off of your skill, off of your ability, off of your, um, uh, easy to, um, your, your workability, your, um, your turnaround, and then all the important business aspects about building a relationships that comes in once you book the job, but your audition is the job, so to speak. That's what wins you the job. So going back to the whole preparation thing, I, you know, I got to read every day and hopefully put out my best, my best foot forward every single time I step into the booth just to audition, you know? So I, you read, to continue to not only get better, but to book work. But when you realize that it's, it's a losing game, you know, it really is a losing game. And when that was like put in perspective, I was like, man, this, this kind of sucks, you know, but it's so much sweeter when you book a job. Um, and it's just, it's just, it's just having that mindset, you know, about just it's being willing to, to lose, to win. 
And that's really what, what it's a humbleness in a way. And, and voiceovers does make you very humble. And a lot of my colleagues are some of the most humble people I've ever met. Nobody is like super egotistical, everybody willing to help everybody, everybody willing to teach somebody something. Um, I just got done a workshop on Saturday um, for to do television promos. It was a five hour workshop intensive. And I'm working with dudes that have been in a game for 20 years, you know, uh, the guy that's got Emmys for being the narrator for Jane the Virgin, um, dudes that is the voice of National Geographic, you know, guys that have been, are heavy hitters. Um, and they're telling me, man, like you're, you're going to be great in this business, you know, but they're giving me tips about how to do this, how to handle agents. And I'm just sitting there soaking it in because these guys have done it. Um, but also I look at it that they're willing to even share that information. Um, you know, everybody kind of has that helping hand mentality. And that's what I love about my industry. It's fun, it's challenging, and it's extremely friendly. It really is. You know, um, again, man, so so much to relate to in what you're saying. And it's, you know, at this point in my life, I've been told no uh, you know, an unbelievable amount of times. And it only has taken a few yeses to really move what I've been able to accomplish along the line. And a lot of that, you know, has been, you know, teaming up, finding the right people to team up with, you know, myself and Daryl or yourself and your agents and things like that. Um, it's powerful, man. It's powerful stuff. And, and I'll tell you what, um, as we're, as we're getting ready to gear down here, um, it's been an awesome podcast, man. It's been, we're going to have to have you back on, uh, oh, yeah. just because there's way, just you, you too, too much to, uh, <laughs> to, to, to put into one episode, man. Um, you're, you're an awesome dude and a talented guy. Obviously I don't have to, I don't have to say that to you, but, um, so I want to, you know, obviously, like I said before, I, you know, I got kind of a weird sense of humor and, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here. And, um, so is there any, is there any voice acting that you've done where you just, you've particularly enjoyed what you did that you, you find yourself in your casual time going back to like you did a commercial for something and you just, it caught your ear and it's stuck there. You know, it's funny. I don't know if it's just me, but I have this like innate ability to think about a project that I work on or have worked on and can recall exactly how I recorded it on, on the spot. Um, so if, if it was, um, for DAZN, um, you know, which is a streaming channel where they do boxing and MMA, um, you know, I can think, I can see the spot in my head. I can hear the sound, like all the sound bites. Yeah, you did the Canelo fight. Yeah, I did the Canelo fight. Um, Canelo versus Jacobs and Canelo versus Kovalev. And I can actually hear myself doing it in my head. And then I can kind of just Canelo versus Kovalev, you know, and just kind of get right back into it if I need to. Um, sometimes I refer to spots that I did previously to help me on a new spot. So for instance, I used to be the voice of the Harry Connick Jr. daytime talk show. And I used to have to speak in like the highest register possible that I could, that I could do, you know, and it'd that be, dude's got such a, a good voice. I would think he would, be his own voice that's you're the you're a voice well, for a man who's got a great voice how's yeah, that this feel is true this is true and and i was honored to be handpicked by harry out of a pool um to be the voice of his show he he really liked my voice and he was like i want this guy to be the voice of the show and i had to go through like rounds of uh directed auditions there was they they how do i put it there was too many cooks in the kitchen for that <laughs> one there was, um, it had to go through 50 different people to get approved. Uh, yeah, it was too it many. Was, it was, it was rigged. Oh, yeah, if yeah, you've yeah, gone yeah. past three approvals, you, none of you have power in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. If it takes 50 people to sign off on something, then you, 50, n- none of you have power. Yeah. 
50 people. So I was like, man, this is crazy. Um, but all the stuff that I would do, you know, for him was like super up, upbeat and super, uh, you know, super uh, high energy and it was fun. But if I need to recall, like if someone's asking me, Hey, we want to, you know, kind of tap into your higher register and I'll kind of just go, you know, Thursday, new Harry and kind of just get like right <laughs> back to it, you know? And you can see like the whole mood switched, you know, on, on the voice. So, um, um, but what was your question again? I feel like I got off topic. Basically, like so like I've got there's little things that that stick in my memory. For example, like Scruff McGruff, Chicago, Illinois, six oh six five two, only you can help take a bite out of crime. I've got that penned into my brain since I was in kindergarten for some fucking reason. I don't know why. And and like I just because of the way I learned, like I was always my problem as a musician was I realized way early on, like when I was like six, that I could learn by just listening and then mm. mimic back. I'm a, I'm like a mimic. So like I can hear somebody's voice and, or, or somebody's affectation and kind of just mimic it. I don't necessarily like, you know, so that kind of, at first that helped me learn music to just play along to. And then eventually I got to a point where in order to like really grow and proceed, I needed to actually learn, but like it would be a problem in like, I remember being called out in band class because like I was just listening and not reading the charts you know, and I think there's like people that kind of have that skill. So when you're saying like you can refer back to, you know, tonalities and, and things, I think that's like a, I think that's a definitely a special type of learning mechanism because I have that too. And it's like, help, like helped me in some things, but like I relied on it too much for others. You know what I mean? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I know that at least for me kind of coming into pro voice acting, um, I kind of had to be brought up to speed, right? If I wanted to compete against like all these incredible other voice actors that I compete against. And the one thing that really helped me like get along really quickly was my background in production, understanding how spots are created, right? The writing, you know, the production process, framing the whole nine, it really accelerated my, my education and voiceovers. The first coach that I worked with, um, before I got signed by my agents, he basically, well, he was an incredible coach, but he knew how to get the best out of me very quickly. Um, and basically what he taught me was how to read copy, not how to read. And I didn't realize that that was an entirely different art form. There is a formula on how to read different types of genres of voiceovers. You know, you're not going to read promo the way you read commercial. You're not going to read trailers the same way you do radio. You know, IVR, which you talked about earlier, which is, you know, the automated um, phone uh, messages that you hear. You're not going to read that the same way you do, you know, uh, a Nat Geo uh, documentary. You know, so you have to actually learn how to switch up for each type of genre. And he's like giving this to me at the fastest pace. Like <laughs> it was like a seven class ridiculous intensive because he, he explained to me <clears throat> that I was in high school football, right? Where I was when I started with him. And he's like, and basically you're going straight to the NFL. <laughs> I was like, okay, like how do, how do we get from here to there? And then he was like, well, not only do I have to get you from high school to the NFL and skip college, we have to get you to the NFL and then you have to compete and be as good as the guys like Tom Brady and the Peyton Mannings and the Alvin Kamara's. He's like, you have to then go against those guys every day. And I was just like, dang, like when you put it like that, like, yeah, I need to get to work. 
you know? So it like getting the understanding like that really kind of just helped accelerate me and, and help me get to this point. Um, but yeah, man, it, it's, it really comes down to like we were saying earlier, it's just like being open. Like if you're going to go after your dreams and your passions, like do not be afraid to take advice or direction or, you know, don't be afraid to take the time out to just go listen to hear what somebody else has to say. That's been doing what you've been doing for a long time. Like they got something right if they're successful at it. So, you know, listen, you don't know, you don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. I'm still trying to figure this whole thing out myself. And, and while you are trying to figure it out, bust your butt, you know? So it really just, it comes down to just, just being open, you know, be open-minded and go hard, you know? I'll tell you, I think that's a I think that's a great place to to end it, man. Great words there. But since this is a special every episode of the Everyman Podcast is special. <laughs> Let's just throw that out there. Because I've been saying that a lot lately. I've just been so enthused about the about the guests we've had on lately. So but this is extra special because you've been involved intimately in our in our creative output. Normally I sign us off on the show. I, you know, I think I think since you're here, the voice of the everyman, maybe you could sign us off this week. Sure. <clears throat> You're listening to the Everyman Podcast with Daryl Campbell, Justin Vigil, and Enrique Josephs.